Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedda from the Comment and Analysis Desk. When China's Geely bought Volvo from Ford for $1.8 billion, it was seen as a big gamble. And it's still part of the debate over Beijing's overseas acquisitions, say Richard Milne and Christian Shepard. Six years later, the Swedish carmaker is back in profit and expanding in China and the US. But does it have the scale to compete with its German rivals? This report is narrated by Richard. There's nothing exceptional about the shiny grey chassis on display in western Sweden. Its wheels, suspension and engine are all where you'd expect to find them, but it stands out because of what it represents. Tangible evidence of progress in one of the most daring industrial stories of recent years. Known as compact modular architecture, it's a shared platform destined to underpin the small vehicles made by both Volvo cars the Swedish premium manufacturer, and its owner, Geely, the Chinese mass-market brand. Mats Fagerhag, head of the joint venture that created the platform, says, This is a bridge between the two companies. Everything's nice words before you start a common project and face hard facts. Geely's purchase of Volvo from Ford in 2010 was at the time one of the most high-profile takeovers by corporate China and it still serves as a test case for Beijing's industrial ambitions, as well as its financial power. The deal remains part of the debate that rages over China's overseas acquisitions, which are often subject to heavy European and US scrutiny. Geely is already known both bad and good times in its short stint as Volvo's owner. Within months of the deal, the Swedish carmaker threatened to follow its compatriot Saab into administration after a slump in 2011-12, but it's since rebounded after a series of bold moves in both Sweden and China. Its profit margins are currently within touching distance of those of the big three German brands, Audi, BMW and Mercedes, but its sales are only about a third of their level at 503,000 cars in 2015, still a record. Its first new models under Chinese ownership, including the XC90 luxury sports utility vehicle and the S60 saloon, have garnered good reviews, helping overcome its reputation for building boxy but safe cars. Next year it will demonstrate the benefits of the shared platform with Geely by rolling out its small car range in the US, where it's previously struggled to make profits, as well as in China. Some observers remain to be convinced that Volvo's big enough to survive in such a cutthroat industry, although it ranks number five among premium manufacturers, but remains outside the world's 30 biggest car makers. Every vehicle launch is critical for it. Krista Carlson, professor at Copenhagen Business School, says, The suspicious view of the Chinese has gradually disappeared. 
But he adds, is this sustainable? Their biggest challenge remains their size. They cannot risk a product line going wrong. Håkon Samuelsson, the Swedish company's chief executive, says the single most important decision Geely took to strengthen Volvo was to make it more independent. He says Li Shifu, the founder and chairman of Geely, took Volvo out of a big company and transformed it from a division of Ford to a real company. That gives you an energy boost. Mr. Lee himself is more succinct. He says, we gave them back their freedom. To appreciate the scale of Volvo's revival, you need to go back to 2010 and Geely's $1.8 billion takeover of the loss-making Swedish mark. After recording a pre-tax profit of 1.2 billion Swedish kroner in 2011, it was plunged into a crisis in 2012 after a collapse in European sales led to a pre-tax loss of 915 million Swedish kroner. According to Thomas Ingelart, head of design at the company, people both inside and outside of Volvo were so scared they thought it would go down the drain. Mr. Lee, who began his career making cameras, then refrigerators, motorcycles and finally cars, after getting a manufacturing license from a Sichuan prison, admits the acquisition was never a sure thing. Speaking in his office at Geely's headquarters in Hangzhou, a city 160 kilometres south of Shanghai, he says, There was a risk, and the risk was very big. In 2012, Volvo's board, headed by Mr. Lee, acted decisively, even brutally. It fired Stefan Jacobi as chief executive as he lay in hospital recovering from a stroke. Mr. Lee says the move was due to not being satisfied with his management strategy and achievements. In came Mr. Samuelson, a Volvo board member whose executive experience came from trucks, not cars. One veteran Volvo manager says, It was a very unsettling time. There was some concern about what Geely was up to. Mr. Lee then criticised Volvo's design, particularly interiors that were seen as too Scandinavian. Only days after Mr. Samuelson had emphasised Scandinavian design as one of the carmaker's strengths, the chairman denies the tension-affected business, saying, even a married couple have different opinions. Mr. Samuelson's first priority was to staunch the losses. He launched an aggressive 1.5 billion Swedish kroner cost-cutting programme that reined in spending on consultants, IT and marketing. He also focused on boosting sales in China, the world's largest car market, where Volvo, due partly to a lack of brand awareness, continued to struggle despite the help of its new owner. Bill Russo, a Shanghai-based consultant, says, The most important thing Geely has done is to help Volvo become a China-centric company. Geely has shifted Volvo from being a marginally global company situated in Scandinavia to being a global one centred in China. Volvo is now reaping the rewards. China is its biggest single market, selling 82,000 cars in the country last year, compared with about 70,000 each in Sweden and the US. And although the once rapid growth in China's car market has begun to slow, some sectors remain buoyant. SUV sales grew nearly 45% in the first quarter of this year. 
Meanwhile, Volvo's operating profit margin reached 7.5% in the first quarter, close to its long-term earnings goal of 8% of sales. It recently sold its first ever bonds, a step towards a stock market listing that some see as the long-term goal for Geely. The takeover was not just about rescuing Volvo, it was also about saving the Chinese company. Founded in 1997, Geely, the name similar to the Chinese word for lucky, was the country's first non-state car maker and is now listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Mr. Li still owns 42% through his Shejiang Geely Holding Group, which in turn owns 100% of Volvo. But at the end of 2009, when the Volvo deal was first agreed, Geely had size issues of its own. It was China's 12th largest car maker, although the second biggest private player, selling just 327,000 vehicles. Throw in quality problems and fierce local competition, and it's easy to see why Geely's international ambitions, Volvo sold more cars and had bigger revenues than Mr. Lee's company, were treated with scepticism at the time. For Mr. Lee, the Volvo deal allowed Geely to stave off two existential threats. He says, Geely Auto was too small and its technology development capabilities were too poor. He rejected the idea of a joint venture, the favoured model for cooperation between Chinese and foreign car makers. The Chinese side, he says, tends to chase the technology and prestige, while the foreigners pursue profits. He adds, it may develop very quickly, but actually there's a lot of friction in the partnership. Mr. Lee compares the effort of Chinese companies to get their hands on new technology to someone trying to buy an academic qualification without attending any of the classes, and he says he wants Volvo to educate Geely. It's just like going to school, he says at the Joint Research Centre in Gothenburg, where Volvo and Geely employees are developing the small car platform. Geely has now learned how to learn, he adds. The joint company... China Euro Vehicle Technology employs 1,900 workers in Sweden and China and underlines the nature of the cooperation between the two car makers. It's producing the joint platform and some shared components for Volvo, while Geely will use the company to design its small cars and develop related technology as well. The platform will come with five possible air conditioning systems, the Volvo version will have six internal temperature sensors, while the most basic model, solely for Geely's use, will have just one. The suspension will be rubber insulated to give Volvo drivers a smoother ride, but bolted in for Geely customers, says Mr. Fargaag. At the same time, Geely, which will reveal its own range of small cars later this year, will get its hands on more advanced technology. Mr. Samuelson describes the deal as a grand bargain. He says, For Geely, the upside is access to the technology. Volvo got a stable owner, a faster track to China, new governance, and the resources to develop new technology. The Volvo chief executive says Mr. Lee is very supportive when engaging in board discussions, but less interested in micromanagement. That's confirmed by Peter Mertens, Volvo's head of R&D, who notes that Geely has not demanded a dividend, instead investing all the cash flow back into the business. In all, 75 billion Swedish kroner, that's 9 billion US dollars, 
has been spent by Geely developing new models, engines and a second platform already in use in Volvo's larger 60 and 90 models. Volvo still faces questions over whether it's big enough to survive. Its revenues of 164 billion Swedish kroner last year were a fifth of BMW's, while it sold under a quarter of the German's 2.25 million cars. Mr Merton says, We're so small, we have to be nimble to survive. Volvo has tried to turn this challenge into a positive. Unlike its German rivals, which have a large number of model variants, Volvo is focused on just three model families, small, medium and large cars, which in turn are in three varieties of SUV, saloon and estate. Mr Mertens calls it the leanest car maker in the world. It has just one engine family, two platforms and four types of transmission. By contrast, Volkswagen is known for its complexity, with its latest Golf hatchback having 117 different types of steering wheel and 341 different front seats to choose from. Development times at Volvo have also been slashed. Five years ago it took 44 months to develop a new car. That's now down to 30, and Mr Mertens wants to reach 20 by the end of the decade. Mr Samuelson argues that economies of scale are less important for a premium car maker than a mass market one. He adds, it's not the number of cars, it's the number of dashboards, the number of door handles, the number of panels. The big challenge for us is to have higher prices for our cars. Volvo wants to reach sales of 800,000 cars a year by 2020, implying annual growth of about 10%. Mr Lee is more ambitious. Outside his office window is a large sign for a Mercedes-Benz dealership, and he gestures at it as he talks of his plans for Volvo to challenge Audi, Mercedes and BMW. He says, If combined efforts are made, I believe Volvo can catch up or even overtake its competitors, adding, the world changes every day.